Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the Future of Email. My guest today, Matthew Holman, head of growth at QPilot. Matthew, Matthew, hey, welcome. Thanks, Matthew. It's good to be here. Where, where we, where are you talking to me from? Utah. Yep, Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt Lake City, Utah. Any snow yet? Yes, actually, we had some we had some snow just the last few days. Oh, <laughs> pretty hot. Hot diggity, here we go, right? Yeah, exactly. We're off to the <laughs> races, man. Fall lasted two weeks. Summer went long and fall was two weeks. Fall was two weeks. Yeah, Pacific Northwest, where I am, it went from sort of endless quasi-summer because it never gets that hot. Right. And then someone flipped the switch and the water started pouring from the sky. And I, I, was, I was actually in Seattle last week. I was oh, where in Seattle you? up till Sunday, up till Sunday. So we got the the first rain that apparently you guys had had in a while. Up yeah, there, so. yeah, yeah, first rain and cleared out, cleared out some of the nasty smoke. Right, but, uh, exactly. Hey, fill people in a bit on, uh, for, start on QPilot first, but I also want to talk about the community stuff you're involved in, but just, sure. uh, just for orientation, what are you, what are you up to? Yeah, absolutely. So QPilot is a B2B SaaS platform tailored for e-commerce companies, which essentially means we make a software, specifically subscription software yeah. for e-commerce companies selling physical goods. Um, our kind of differentiator or elevator pitch is that when you need subscriptions that um, can see delivery and shipping options where things can change and it's more flexible at the, at the end use, as well as easier on your operations. Um, we're definitely a great option worth looking at. And as a, as a marketer, for me, a little bit of my story, my journey is, um, you know, a little over a year ago, I started, you know, it's, we're a small company, we're bootstrapped. So it's not like I'm managing a, a massive team or anything like that. And I just kind of started feeling a little bit like, man, who do I go to talk to about other marketing ideas and stuff? Yeah. And so a couple of my friends just started, we decided just to do, start doing some breakfasts. And next thing you know, that starts to turn into a group. And then somebody says, you should be doing some bigger events because the way we would do it is just try to be really engaging and helpful and useful, get real tactical. And a lot of people really love that. So next thing you know, I'm doing events with rooms of 50, 60 people in them. And um, yeah. And so earlier this year, though, a couple of my other friends were trying to start a build an e-commerce community. And, you know, the marketing stuff I've been doing is really fun and I love marketing, but e-commerce is also a big passion of mine. And so, you know, I kind of pivoted a little bit and moved some of my group in with them and we started ShareHouse, which is an e-commerce community. So we do events. We have a Slack channel with about, with over 400 members. Um, We do, yeah, very engaged. Like it's the kind of thing where, this is the thing that I love, Matthew. It's like, if I have a question, where do you go to ask it? And and you can Google stuff. You can look at YouTube. If you have a friend who knows, you ask that friend. Yeah. And if you don't know, it's nice to have a group. So you can hop onto our Slack and just say, hey, what's a good 3PL in Kansas City? Like what's, who's doing Amazon well? And, you know, over here, anybody ever work with this? And you get tons of responses and advice and introductions and, and, and from other people that are doing it or know all about it. So that's kind of the in- intent and spirit of it is to be really helpful. And so, yeah, that's a lot of what I'm doing is managing those types of things. And, um, I love education as well. So a lot of what we do at QPilot is, um, education and content focused to try to help people figure out subscriptions. A whole bunch. We're going to spend. Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to spend some time unpacking all of them because they're all fascinating uh, avenues to go down. I did want to go back to QPilot for just a second. Do I have it right that the that the essential proposition is if if you're all already selling widgets, QPilot will help you do subscription to widget sales. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, uh, you already said Amazon, so you broke the ice. I'm going to say. Kind of like the 
the the bag of mixed nuts that shows every month shows up every Absolutely. month to annoy my wife from, from Amazon. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. One of the things, I mean, it's a sidebar, but it's actually le- you know, a legit entry point to talk about QPilot a bit. As, as, a, as a software guy, I, I find myself uh, in conversations with, uh, you know, with ordinary people saying, you know what, time is actually a, a booger to handle time and calendars and recurrence. Right. And they're like, oh, it's easy. I'm like, no, it's actually yeah. not. It's actually really, really complicated. Like, who designed this? Uh, some Roman emperor. So you help handle that, right? I, I mean, it, it really is. I mean, if you think about without getting too in the weeds on it, most yeah. order management systems. So if you're doing Shopify or even a point of sale system at retail, yeah. they do the transaction right then. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they don't have to think about it or wait. They do the transaction. Yeah. You either have the inventory or you don't. Yeah. You either, you chart, you figure out shipping right then or there. It all happens right there. Yeah. And subscriptions are hard because it's something that's happening a month from now, six months from now, you know, maybe somebody's planning something two years in the future. Yes. So you have to have a system that can think into the future and yes. be able yes. to change and be flexible. And, and it's actually more complicated than you would think. The reason a lot of people have subscriptions that are really inflexible is not because, well, most brands don't want to be inflexible. <laughs> it's because it's hard to do that. And so we, that's kind of like, yeah, it's very difficult to implement something like that. So that's. Yeah kind of the, like the mission behind what we're doing is making things more flexible, giving merchants more control. And there's a lot of development and product features that go into making that seem easy. <laughs> well, and, and, and there's an artificial economy that, that you're, uh, you probably bump up against. If, if you're doing recurring subscription of digital stuff, you don't have to worry about yeah, you know, inventory. Do we have it on the shelves? Like, oh, make right. more bits. Uh, that wasn't that complicated. Yes, no. it was. But uh, yeah. <laughs> when it's peanuts. It's just about access. With digital, it's I have this stuff listed. And even if I'm rolling something out new, yeah. I need to make sure I've got like an email or an account where you go to get your stuff. You know, yeah. you get it in yeah. the text. Yeah. But it's really just about the access and the communication. If there's a physical good that's getting shipped, it's like, I have to plan that inventory out in the future. I have to make sure that schedule's there. What happens if you want to move it up or move it back? Right. What happens if you're going to be on vacation in Colorado for a month? Like, am I going to care? Can I make it so that it shifts or adjusts? And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's one of those things that I, I joke about a lot with Matthew that like, if you've done it, you know how hard it is. And until you've done it, you really, it's a lot of, I mean, it's one of those things, like until you've actually done it, you, it's really hard to imagine how complicated yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it, it sounds, sounds super simple. <laughs> so, um, customers that, that jump on board and work with QPilot, they're coming from Shopify stores. They might be doing their WooCommerce, own. WooCommerce is where we cut our teeth WooCommerce, and we okay. Shopify yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. So and do Shopify. And, and yep, absolutely. Hoping to move upstream some uh, bigger, uh, we really like some of the more complicated issues with B2B and a lot of other aspects, which is kind of how our platform's built. So we're going to be moving into some other um, verticals as well. How long have you been at this? Um, the product itself has been around for about five years. Our founder made it several times as one-offs and then decided, you know, hey, this is a SaaS opportunity. And I joined about two years ago as co-founder to lead marketing and growth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a, that's a, I, that's a great niche in that there's only going to be, I think there's only going to be more of this. Is it is absolutely subscription in general on the rise? Hundred percent. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of subscription fatigue with with streaming platforms and, and <laughs> things like that. But but the idea, I think, you know, 
Qpilot's not the only company that's innovating in e-commerce and delivery yeah. and customer experience, right? Like there's obviously a lot of people that are working on that. And so I think it's just getting better and more improved. And, and I think as that continues to improve, you're just going to see more and more adoption. I think a really good example is fresh food delivery. You know, a couple of years ago, the idea that you would actually have somebody drop off fresh food at your house was just totally foreign to everybody. And, and even though it happens a lot now, it's still just a drop on the bucket. It's just still a small amount. Yeah. And you, usually it's just big companies like Walmart that are doing it well, but now you're seeing all these smaller brands, fresh, fresh kombucha to your door, like twice a week. And, and, and as that continues to innovate, right, we're just talking about more and more companies wanting to create a better like end user delivery experience. You can order it online, get it same day, get it within the hour. That's just continuing to roll out. And subscriptions can be a big part of that because if I'm selling you fresh food, at fresh food delivery once a week, I'd love to have you on a subscription because then I get all this other extra kind of hooks into the customer and being able to offer other value as well. Yeah. It, that, interesting. I had a, had a conversation with another guest just a couple of days ago um, and the, she's mar marketing agency and the, the client of hers that we ended up talking about a bit was, uh, wasn't as a form with a cooperative share agreement, a CSA, mm -hmm. which, you know, subscription for carrots basically. Um, <laughs> right. And some of the, some of the challenges, I guess in that case, you're like, bring me a box. I don't know exactly what's going to be in it, but sign me up for the box. Right. right. But right, it's exactly. still, it's still fundamentally that sort of pre-commit thing, which helps the farmer and probably helps Absolutely. the cook in, in that case. Um, what, what have been, what's been the biggest surprise in the last couple of years as you've learned the space and grown the company? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a good question. I mean, from the actual like business owner marketing side, it is been, you know, really interesting trying to, um, you know, create, you know, a go-to-market product from a, from a marketing side of things. Um, subscriptions is something I think everybody would like to do because they like the recurring revenue, but there's always other things that are, and, and not everybody does them, but people that feel like it might be a good fit. But it's often far down the list on priorities, right? You have your Facebook ad problems, your inventory sourcing problems, things like that. Yeah. So that's been a little bit tricky finding, trying to figure out how you, of course, like think like any business, trying to figure out how you stay top of mind, get people to see you differentiate. Um, but I think within the space itself, what's maybe not, what's surprising is just how many entrepreneurs are out there like innovating around something. I was just talking to somebody yesterday in Canada selling vape products and they're doing local same day delivery and like nobody else is doing that. That's how they're innovating. The, 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 the CEO himself will go out and do deliveries. If, if the other drivers are busy, you know, it's like, you know, they're not necessarily, they're not necessarily huge, but they're doing a few hundred orders a week. Right. And so that's, that's significant. And so thinking about all these different businesses that are just doing something a little bit different, it's pet food with a vet where they survey your dog and give you personalized like recommendations like that. I think that kind of like engagement and personalization is just, it's just starting. And I think it's going to be incredible to see where we are two years from now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I've been around e-commerce for a lot longer than I probably should have. Like, <laughs> Try, try mid nineties, um, okay. when we had to build that stuff from, from scratch and rubber bands and stuff like that. <laughs> and what's, what's the phrase from Newton? I, if I've seen farther, it's because I stood on the shoulders of giants. Like right. we're, we, we keep, we keep building up the, you know, the, the starting point. So if right. you're, you know, if you're doing e-commerce now, you're like, I want to sell fill in the blanks bait. Um, okie dokie, you're not starting with notepad. 
an HTML page. And from there, you're going to go to WooCommerce, Shopify, something like that and go, okay, that part's done. Oh, subscriptions. Okay. You guys, that part's done. Now, what can I, what can I do on top of that that makes it uh, better, different, faster, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. in, In innovation on top of the shoulders of all of those giants. I do want to ask you a question now, and this is particularly germane to what you're, what you're doing at QPilot. We're in the B2B space as well. A couple, couple of things I'm involved in, B2B space as well. I find it really hard to get through the blast screens to even converse with customers. Drives me yep. crazy. Yep. Yeah. And, and, yep. and I'm one of them, right? I've got people sure. reaching out to me. I'm like, oh, would you stop emailing me, right? I don't have <laughs> one of those. And it, right. I, I'm, I'm sometimes baffled at, at, at the traction challenge. It's, it's incredible. And really, um, it's, it's been an interesting journey for us because it's what has ended up happening is we've tried a lot of direct outreach ads and other things last year. And, you know, and, and ultimately we've come back to what is actually my strength, which is content education. So for us, we're just trying to figure out how can we stay top of mind, be helpful, just be there so that when somebody's like indicates just a little bit more interest, they know that they can come talk to us and they, that we can help them figure out. Right. So that's one of the reasons I like that, but it does take a lot of time and saturation to do that. Right. Like I had a, another call yesterday with somebody who said he's been following me on LinkedIn for a while and he's just really appreciated my content and wanted to learn more about how he can do better at subscriptions with his business nice. and or with his CBD company. And, 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 but me, he's never liked to post, right? Like like the, the moment he liked to post is when he commented, he wanted to talk. And so you have all these people that you just don't know that they're, they're lurking, they're watching, they're paying attention. Mm-hmm. We will regularly get people that come in say like, so since we're software, we'll regularly get a developer who comes in, looks at our docs or is looking at our page, yeah. maybe for weeks at a time. Yeah. And then suddenly somebody from the company comes in, registers, installs, and starts using the product. Wow. All, all within like an hour. And I, and, and we're just oh, like, wow. yeah. So, so the signals is sometimes hard, right? Yeah. Like it's hard to sell. It's not like I've got this really long sale. Like if we do outbound and we have a, you know, a demo process, yes, that can sometimes take a long time too. But, th- but those ones can be also equally as frustrating. I could have the most incredible call where perfect fit. They seem like they're perfect for it, fit for us. Yeah. Nothing for six weeks. Yeah. Yep. Don't respond to any of, and, and I don't, I try not to be too naggy, right? Like I'm sending an email every couple of weeks just yeah. to, just to like, you know, see what's going on, bring up some of these points, try not to be too annoying. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we're ready to go. Like, let's do the install. We want to happen within the next blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, no, I, you, you didn't want to tip me off two weeks ago that you're about ready. To, anyway, but that's just the way it is. That's the way it is in B2Bs. People are going to do it on their own timing and you have to yeah. figure out, and every niche is a little bit different or industry is a little different. You just have to figure out how your customers are interacting with you and how you can be helpful. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's a rec- recursive topic to bring up, but one of the reasons that I spend the time on this podcast is I, I like the email space. I, I think it's actually surprisingly innovative. I noticed like what wasn't talked about as much. Oh, email, that's old. I'm like, mm, <laughs> talk with people who are doing some of the really cool stuff in this space and share those conversations with other people. And I don't actually know what effect it's having. I honest to God don't sometimes. Like It's really hard. It's hard to tell, but I think it is, can be really useful. It's helpful. I will say one of my favorite uh, things I hear all the time is that email is dead. I just laugh. 
<laughs> even in e-commerce, yeah. Yeah. like, you know, tech, even within e-commerce, you'd be start surprised to see how many people are not texting. They're still just doing email. They're reliant on it. It works. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's, it always makes me laugh. <laughs> well, so, okay. We, we, we agree on that, but let's flip it, flip it around, look in the mirror. Why is it such a common knee-jerk thing to, 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 for someone to say, oh, uh, email's dead. Like, where does that come from? It's just, it's just hot takes. It's like, for me, I feel like a lot of times, like, you know, there's ways to craft social media posts so that they're engaging, right? It's all about the hook. And so you say email is dead. That's your hot take. That's trying to get hook. people to be engaging and stuff. And, and it's also a good way to juxtapose new products or features ideas. I think, yeah. you, you know, when I, the people that I follow that are really, I think are pretty smart and reasonable is like, you know, email is a, is a, just a part of what you should be doing. Right. Yep. Like, yep. you know, in fact, I watched, uh, we did one of my marketing events earlier this year, uh, was a company called, um, via and they do SMS for, for e-commerce brands. And they were showing that the best actually isn't email or text, it's email and text together. When you do those two together, you get the best result, right? So it's another tool you should be using and leveraging, especially for things like abandoned cart and newsletters and offers. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's just kind of funny when people say that. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's, it's highways and railroads. If you want to, if you want a, a, a yeah, metaphor for, for better or worse emails, kind of the, the, still the open road communication. Right channel and and still still doesn't have a big cost burden and critically it doesn't have a gatekeeper right yeah right. so and all it, of yep. those things add up well i i i have had a number of um conversations where we ended up focused on on texting and how that's sort of finding its own feet as a channel and a complementary one uh texting factor in this texting factor in the qpilot platform the part absolutely yeah absolutely yeah okay. so we can because of the way our, our API and webhooks work, you can put us in a text, chat bots. You could even put us in a Slack if you wanted to. In fact, our old our old website has has a widget of somebody texting to like change their order of hops for a, for a yeah you know I want to get this product now yeah. instead and it shows yeah. that kind of interaction. That's yeah. actually we've been able to do that for several years. Nice, nice, yeah. Um, lots of channels to manage. Switch switch gears and talk about the community work. What's grown into a share house. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for me, I've always found that community is the most useful place for me to go to for resources, whether I'm in e-commerce or marketing communities. And so it's something I've always been really passionate about. I kind of felt like I fell backwards into it, into doing it. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I do love kind of creating that engagement, the education. Um, and for me, for Qpilot, it's certainly useful to get myself in front of more and more people in the space, right? Sure. I'm the subscription guy that does cool e-commerce events, right? And so it has definitely opened some doors um, that I wouldn't have gotten to, or would have been a lot harder to get into with some really, really good customers and yeah. prospective customers at this point. Um, because we're not on, the, the, the interesting thing is with not being on Shopify, there's a limitation with how much marketing you can do, right? Because you have to be really targeted with WooCommerce. Um, the thing, Shopify is everywhere, those community. So, you know, within our Sharehouse community, I'd say like 90% of the people that are, are on Shopify. So, um, so yeah, so that's one of the reasons I like from a selfish standpoint, I guess, is, is what's motivating me to do it is it's good for exposure. It's good to get me more in front of people. And I think long-term it'll be good for, for Qpilot. Um, but, but ultimately it's something that I just enjoy. I love doing. So yeah, the idea is we did a, yeah, we did an Amazon event Tuesday. I don't make money off Amazon. I don't, nothing Qpilot does has anything to do with Amazon, but it was just a great event 
bringing in speakers, you know, letting people know about it. We had over a hundred people come out and want, wow. learn and had a little half day session. So yeah, like that kind of thing. It's just, it's just really, I mean, it's a lot of work at times, but it is something that I just love doing. Yeah. <laughs> I have a partner that a partner that helps me do it. She's, she's, uh, she's pretty incredible. Madeline Van Hoff. She's just, you said you run a Slack channel as well. Yeah. There you go. For that so. community. Yeah. I, community management's its own, its own art form because there are human beings involved usually right. in communities and they do some of the goofiest, most unpredictable stuff. And you got to figure out how to go, yep. this is okay. This is not right. okay. And yeah. Um, I, 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 I salute you. Not everybody can do that. <laughs> so far it's been okay. I've been in other ones where it gets pretty bad and or yeah. people start to stop to see value or it's all spam. Yeah. Ours has been pretty good. We get occasionally get somebody who comes in and there's just like, Hey, this is what we do. Yeah. Come talk to us. Yeah. And you know, there's usually crickets and, uh, the people that are coming in there trying to offer help and, or, um, ask for help are the ones who see the most immediate response. So it's only very rarely where I have to say. And it's usually, I try to just be helpful. It's like, hey, if you actually phrase this more like, this is the type of people we can help and what we do to help. Right. Instead of just saying, you know, we're, we're awesome at this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's a, there's an active, very active uh, Slack channel called Email Geeks. Um, okay. For, for guess what? Email Geeks. Um, and, uh, and I'm a member. I don't spend a lot of time on it, but when I go, go there, you see the stream of people introducing, you see the missteps. I made a misstep once and I got smacked by the <laughs> administrator of like, oh, okay, I guess you got to kind of learn the rules for this new one. It's not like you, when you walk in a room, right, right? You see who's talking to who, how they're comporting themselves and so on. You've got some, some cues. Slack group, the social cues are pretty thin on the, on the ground. Right. So right. it takes a while. Um, yeah, a, a room, room for growth there. Back to Amazon for a second. This is intriguing to me because there is such a looming presence um, for almost any field that's selling mm -hmm. stuff. Right. Um, and as you said, you don't, like Qpilot doesn't necessarily uh, get anything out of Amazon at, at the same time. Boy, oh boy, do we all learn from them. I, I mean, that's, yeah, as you're saying, that's exactly where I would want. Yeah, they're, they're educating people on what what things are. And in many ways, I actually get to say, Hey, we have a better subscriber and experience than Amazon nice. does. So your customers are going to love that. Nice. But yeah, they're teaching people, they launched B2B subscriptions earlier this year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So they're leading the way in a lot of the innovation and implementation. And I think what, how people are seeing delivery is what's shaping a lot of this. The idea that people are open to getting something for same day, fresh food or next day with a, with a food order yeah. is, is because they, Amazon has taught them that this can go well if it's done right. It can go well if it's yeah. done right. Yeah, that's that's true. They've uh, almost single handedly, they've almost single handedly started connecting the household to right. to a more digital what rhythm cadence something like right. that. I I I I live a few miles out of town in a very rural spot, and what a year ago the Amazon Prime truck truck started. Roving around, right. like, wow, this is real. Amazon <laughs> yep. Prime truck in my neighborhood. Everywhere. 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 And then you go through Seattle. You were just in Seattle. Yeah. Fleets of Amazon yeah. Prime vehicles zooming down the yeah. road, kind of, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been something to watch. I was, I was a very sure. early Amazon subscriber. I think my ID is almost 25 years old. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, because they started, they're like, books, yeah. sign me up, right? Okay, books, right. is that what you sell? Sign me up. Great. Yeah. No problem. Back when we were all yeah. petrified about entering our credit card uh, <laughs> in, in web forms. Um, you said you'd pivoted, uh, Sharehouse started in sort of marketing, broadened it, broadened to e-commerce. Do you think continued growth for that or maybe additional sectors or what? Um, I don't, I think it'll be probably e-commerce, um, for the, for the near future. I don't see it necessarily changing. It might change how we offer it or how we help. Um, you know, we're trying to figure out, should we be doing like smaller groups and connecting people more directly? Um, there's a few other things, but I don't know. Marketing is one of those fun things where I don't necessarily see myself as somebody who should be educating or teaching. And yet when somebody starts asking questions, I find myself answering. So, um, mm. that's something I, I, I do enjoy, but so I might go back to it at some point. I feel like if I can continue to do well with Qpilot, I might be able to say I know a little bit about B2B SaaS marketing. But right <laughs> now, I still feel like a total newbie, even though I've been doing it a few years. So anyway. <laughs> what, look, by the, by, by the time you feel you got it nailed down, the ground will totally shift it, right? And, and yeah, when, it, when, when someone says, you know, the way X works is this, I'm always like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure we know, right? right? right. I, think we're, I think we're trying continually testing. One of the things I like about email folks, like they get that you got to sort of just keep always trying, measuring, testing, refining. It's not like there's a final answer or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Fascinating journey. Um, Qpilot itself, uh, four or five years old, you said founder, founder built, built the first, uh, first one or first one or two. Are there substantially big markets that you expect to open up like additional countries or like well, we're fairly we're fairly active internationally but because of because of the wordpress community um but for us like the the the, the future for qpilot to kind of geek out on this a little bit is you know we we talked a little bit about this but the the idea of like the internet of things has been around for a long time this idea but its adoption has taken, I think, a lot longer than in many ways what people expected. And, and I think it's going to continue to shift. And, and I'll give you an example. We've been in talks with a really, really big um, company that sells on Salesforce. And they've implemented a subscription program where they know so much about their product that they could just tell you what to do based on where you live and, and the rainfall you've seen. And they're going to send you the product you need. That was their idea. It's very similar to the internet of things. The thing knows better than you do when to replace the filter or what to use, right? Okay. What they found was a ton of pushback from people who did yeah. not believe that some big company could tell them how to take care of their, their thing better than, than anybody else. And so where I think the future is really going is not total customer control or total machine driven. It's actually something in the middle where there's a mix of people, some want to trust this. Maybe you believe your car knows when to replace its air filters better, but you don't trust uh, your AC unit because it's really windy where you live. And so it's this idea of we're going to have different levels of control. And so what QPilot is, what we're really fascinated by is this idea that we have so much data around change and permutations around and about repeat orders that are, that keep happening, have happened and that will happen. So like one of the things that we think is really exciting is say like truck fleets, right? So trucks, fleets invest millions of dollars into the specific types of products, tires, airs, they, um, they have Fil- they have sensors all over the truck to track everything of all this data. Yep. And so they know like at 30,000 miles, you have to replace this At 40,000 miles. You have to replace that. Well, what happens when the tires are in New Jersey, but at 30,000 miles, you're in Vegas. 
what happens, you know, and, and you need to make that happen. And by the time you end up, you either have to shift the, you have to ship the tires out there, which can be incredibly expensive. So for us, we were getting into, and again, I'm going a little down the rabbit hole of thinking the predictive, the predictive nature of being able to, when something will be need to be changed and where it will be, because we see delivery and shipping so much, Yeah, we'll be able to tell that tire company weeks in advance, Hey, your truck's going to be here. The tire needs to be yeah. freighted here, yeah, right? Yeah, that that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Fast. Yeah. Okay. Fascinating. Um, so you're really backing into a bit of a digital twin scenario, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I on the on the note that you touched on about the 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 pushback when you know a widget says you're supposed to maintain me, uh, right? Or or you're supposed to use this one, not that one, right? right? It it's very akin to the community boundary thing we were talking yes. about. Like we we want we 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 still want some control. If you if you said, hey, I've got a helpful suggestion, maybe this model would be better, and I still feel like I'm making the yes no decision right. on it. It 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 might go over better. We're we're gonna keep running into this though because digital twins AI predictive analytics, um, you know, the machines are going to start telling us, uh, yeah. right. You're going to get that notification saying, Hey, it's time to change your air filter. Yeah. It should yeah. be yes or no. The idea that it's just going to be automated out of the box is yeah. people aren't going to like that. But the idea that you could opt into that. Yes. You've been right so many times. I'm good. Just, you don't need to ask me anymore. Just send me right. Yeah. Maybe I have a personal assistant that's managing this. The idea that I'm going to go on vacation and I have my shipments that are hitting this, my address while I'm gone. I, yeah. It'd be nice if something were to telling it, no, yeah. send it to my hotel in Colorado for this thing. Let this thing right. hit my garage. It's okay. Right. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think, and that's what I think is exciting is the idea of how that personalization, that engagement is going to be crafted, whether using email, in-app notifications, yeah. texting, yeah. there's so many different ways you can layer that and nuance that and how people can have that control of whether they're saying yes, no, or I'm going to let you know when I need it. That kind of thing is just really yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does feel like it. It does feel like we need to keep groping towards the um, the human interface side of that because even now it's overwhelming. Right, right. Even now it's like, oh man, I'm not keeping track of that. And what do you what do you mean? I've got a subscription for? Huh? Like I completely <laughs> forgot about that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on it because it's an obvious example. But did you track the um, the kerfuffle about a month ago? With BMW said yes, that's the yeah, example I bring up with everybody all the time. Years. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. Oh yeah. Oops. <laughs> yeah. That's the the joke I like to make is like I don't think they actually talked to anybody to get any real feedback. I feel like that was a very much a top down. Yeah. Directive: make more yeah. money. This is yeah. how we think you can make more money. And the irony is, is, is I was talking to somebody else about this who's a huge actually BMW BMW fan. I know they're a Porsche fan. And they said, if Porsche offered me a subscription to talk with an one of their engineers every couple of months, like on a Zoom call to ask questions around development and driving and handling, yeah, I would I would pay a hundred, two hundred, whatever dollars just to be able to get yeah. that. And and that's the thing is like, if you, 
And we literally like thought of that in 30 seconds. It's like, how much, how much time should a big company be able to invest in doing research? They could, you could validate that idea so quickly, like, right, right. You talk to your existing customers. What are other things you, we could be offering you or that you're not seeing? Like we have some of these ideas. Would you want to do this? Would you want to do that? And then you could actually start rolling out beta groups and charge people and see what happens. You know what I mean? And, and the funny thing too, is like, I get, I get on this uh, soapbox a, a lot with, with brands is they're trying to figure out oh, I'm going to buy gift products and add them to subscription boxes, or I'm just going to discount things more. And while there are times when I think that can be really useful or applicable, like a lot of times it's like, well, no, do you have a really compelling like founder story? Do people subscribe because they love the influencer or whatever that drove them there? Like what, what other things could, and could you just do a Zoom call? Could you do a personal newsletter? Could you do yeah. something that from a ROI, a cost standpoint is actually really, really cheap to offer. It's just maybe just a question of time. But the value you'd see from everybody else that would be getting that would just yeah. would would love it, right? And so that's how we should be. I think when I when I talk to a lot of subscription brands because we do so much like you know consulting and education is, is that it's like what do your customers like and love, or what are they not getting, or what do they want more from you? Like they're probably telling you already. Like and if not, you should be facilitating that. That's why community is so great. If you don't have a Facebook group for your product, or if you don't have a Facebook group of people that are your, your type of customer, right. Where you could go in there, even if it's not yours, you could just go in there and ask, Hey, we're working on this stuff. Does anybody want to try this out? Or does anybody have ideas? You're always going to find people that are going to say like, no, that's a horrible idea. Or yeah, I'll try that. You know what I mean? And, and then, and then you iterate from there, you start to develop and implement and, and test it again. Yeah. 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 That the, the, uh, the human side feedback mechanisms, which, which to be fair, that blast screen problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. It, like it's a factor there. Like we're, we're uh, I'm launching something, something new with a partner, and um, I just put out a quick note in an email group only influencers that I blow to for, for a number of years. Like, hey, we're looking for beta testers who want to do blah 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 blah. You know, try to keep it short. And sure enough, half a dozen people were like sounds interesting. Sign me up. And a couple of people said, well, just on the description, maybe that's not a good idea what you're doing. Right. right. Okay. Right, right, right. But thanks. I mean, honestly, the, the sort of yeah. cautionary input was just as useful. And I hadn't really considered yeah. how it landed uh, when I phrased it that way. So uh, right. you got to get, you know, got to get out there. Um, I, I envy you having live because you do face to face as well, right? Right. Yep. Live, live groups for conversations like that. Um, between pandemic and, uh, you know, an office eight miles out of town. I don't have as many live conversations sure. with people in similar businesses as I used to, uh, absent Zoom. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's, it, there's there's no substitute for that, really. There really isn't. Yeah, there, there really isn't. isn't. Yeah, and and uh, it's fun. I I think it is the two year lock in made us realize that it's fun to actually yep. hang out and talk with people. But whatever, connect with people. Yep. Yeah, yeah, connect with people. Well. Fascinating journey. I suspect the community stuff is gonna gonna run away with you if you're not careful. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what uh, what thoughts about the future of email? My closing question. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I think that we're gonna continue to see a disparity between people that invest in personalization and value adding, and people that still keep things just very transactional. So. The difference that I see is people that just see like, oh, I'm sending you an email, letting you know your order's coming versus somebody who's creating an unboxing experience almost with an email when your order notification order notifications happening, right? This idea that you're, you know, you're, you're seeing more engagement 
even within newsletters, um, more interesting things, a, a brand that I love, uh, they do gluten-free bread and their newsletter is just so incredible because it's always, re it's recipes about gluten-free stuff, about, you know, community and engagement. And, and if you're, if you're gluten-free, if you're trying to live, you know, celiac or gluten-free, like that kind of a community and that is so, such a positive thing and you're getting it from an email from a brand. From an email. So, yeah. yeah. So, so for me, that's where I keep, I'm going to, I keep seeing like the future is, I think that it's, it's far from dead. People that just see it as a transaction will continue to just get that kind of value out of it. But the brands and the companies that are seeing it as an opportunity for me, I love, we have a weekly news email newsletter called subscription prescription, and it's all about just diagnosing and helping you with subscription problems. Yeah. And I don't get too, too crazy or too like, you know, fancy with it, but I try to keep it simple and personal yeah. and people like that. People right. like being, yeah, I read it myself. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think that's where we're kind of going to continue to see a change. People are going to continue to innovate in how we, they communicate within the email because of personalization and the value add they're offering while everybody else just kind of just lets it just run because it's something that they need or use. Digit, you hit on a very profound um, tension for lack of a better word there in, in this respect, one definition of personalization and it, it tends to be technically skewed definition is sort of, I've got to give everybody at the other end of that send their particular thing, right? Their, you know, right, their right. product, their location, their weather report, something like that. Perfectly valid. We've got to put technology mm -hmm. to help do that. But you also articulated a different yes. definition, which is I'm going to be authentic and I'm going to be me, right? Personalization, you, you write the thing, I'm betting. It's, it's got your voice, you know, what you're passionate about, what you right. learned last week, et cetera. Um, and you're not necessarily saying I've got to do a different version of this for everybody at the other right. end. Right. It's like, it's personal. Oh, there goes, there goes that, that cotton picking zoom blur. This is the most vexing thing. <laughs> um, sure. And, and there you go. That's if, that's if that, that personalization the other way. Like I'm going to go ahead and be me. It's called authenticity versus personalization, right? That's a good right? It's like very, yeah. very effective and often forgotten, particularly bigger companies. Well, and if you think about it too, it's just, it's simple, something simple I've, you know, advised is if you're, if you're trying to come off as a brand that's fun, then is your email, are your emails fun? If you're trying to come off as a little bit edgy or dark, like you should be like, that should be across your communications. Like if you're buttoned up, if you're just serious or professional, like that's fine. Like if it's, people are just buying your product because they know it works and that's it. Cool. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's how we should be approaching all of our communications. Like Q pilot, we were getting very little feedback on our newsletter. It was a Q pilot company driven newsletter. And we decided yeah. to pivot. We, we spun it off as subscription prescription. And it's from me, instead of being from Q pilots from, it's, it's from Matt Holman. Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm still the same person writing it, but now it's more personal. It's more authentic. It's personal. It's, it's something relatable. And now people will reply to the email and ask questions, right? They'll like engage your community, isn't it? Right. Yep. It is. It definitely is. That's, uh, that's, that's, a, it's, it's quite, quite ingenious. And I suspect a whole lot more effective. Absolutely. For its end business purpose. But it, um, it's got a, it, it's got a, it's got some challenges and burdens. Like if, if, uh, if you won the lottery tomorrow, you'd be hard to replace writing this. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a leap for a brand. You can do this as a small company, but it's a leap for a brand 
to cede control of company voice to an individual, which is effectively what you're talking about. But I do think at larger companies, it's easier to replace because a larger company is, it's not going to be driven by just one person. It's going to be driven by a couple people, you know, maybe a designer here, some researchers, but because I'm in one of my favorite marketing communities, Exit 5 with Dave Gerhardt. And, you know, he works and has worked at and works, has other marketers that work at really big companies and they get into this debate. Like, how do you see control of that? And I just think that, you know, a CEO is a lot more likely to relate to a personal letter from somebody who's doing it, even if it's at a Fortune 500 company, as opposed to just the Fortune 500 company talking about how cool. Yeah. In that abstract brand voice with that awful stilted prose. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, the example that comes to mind of that for some reason, I'm not the grocery shopper in our, in our household, but I think the Trader Joe's, uh, paper newsletter is flipping brilliant. Right. Every time I, right. every time I page through that, I'm like, I laugh, I'm delighted. Right. I, I kind of want to go to Trader Joe's and I know that's the point, but they do a right. great job, pretty good sized company. They do a great job. Of 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 keeping the snap in that thing, and I'd Absolutely. love to get behind the scenes. Maybe I'll maybe I'll reach out and say, "Hey, who does you, who writes that? Can I have them on the podcast? Talk about how the heck you keep that voice, right?" Yep. yep, fascinating. Well, we could probably do this all day, Matthew. Fish, absolutely, bring you up to get back to your day. Appreciate it. it's been really fun, Matthew. Yeah. So, if someone's interested in in Q Q Pilot, because everybody's going to subscriptions, right? Q Pilot, right? Q Pilot Cloud. Uh, we actually just updated at qpilot.com. Yeah. So you can find us at qpilot.com. Yeah. Did you? Because the doc, why? The dot com, the dot com came up. The guy who was saying he wanted, you know, yeah. tens of thousands of dollars for it came down to an actual normal price. And we, and, when we pulled the trigger. <laughs> and then you get all that, uh, oh my gosh, do we have all that on our website? Because porting yeah. that over is not necessarily really? trivial exactly. either. Cool. It was good. We were launching a new one, so it was a good time. And then I, I, I'm really active on LinkedIn, so I'd love for anybody who's interested. You are. You got like 6,000 yeah. followers. I was like, wow, this guy's, this guy's got a got an audience. That's terrific. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate well, that. Well, share share the episode of this conversation when I, oh, I will. post it for you, okay? I will. I'll have it in my email newsletter as well. Don't worry. Perfect. All right. My guest has been Matthew Olman from QPilot. Thanks, Tom. Thanks much. Thank you.